0: Hi, I'm Luke Campbell, and I work for a small wine company. He's Luke Morris, and...
1: Yeah, I'm, hang on, I'm, I'm hung over.
0: <laughs> and together, we are Luke's Talk Wine, talking all things wine and booze, and uh, consumption of popular culture or other things. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke.
1: Hi, Campbell. woohoo are we're, we're doing it.
0: We're in the game. Hello to the listening audience and good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you may be listening to the podcast. This is season three, episode 13. And have we got a week for you? Quite fortuitously, actually, this week's topic is three reasons why a wine might give you a headache and how (laughs) to avoid them. I'm I'm looking at you. There's only three? (laughs) We're going to start with the top three anyway. And a listener question, actually, from Repeat Offender Shieldsy asks, Icon wines, Hilligrace, Gigal, La La's, Wild Nut Creek, Louis Rotor Cristal, what makes these wines iconic? Which is a great question, actually, and we'll also talk a little bit about what we have and haven't been drinking later in the show. But as always, we start the podcast with a very pertinent question, and that is Luke Morris. What has been happening in your wine world this week, pal?
1: A <laughs> um, wine world. Uh, I had a. Do you, do you want to talk about? I had two wines from 2012 yesterday. So they were, what is that, okay. officially 10 years old. And it was just interesting. Yes. They, one from one others, I think they're both on screw cap actually, but they, they showed some age. There was a Mitchelton print Shiraz. Mm. Um and this is this is uh, I, I probably should explain that we I had the Benio Comedy festival I was helping to produce finished um up yesterday so we had a a celebratory beer or two and and somebody brought a couple of bottles of wine to um, to consume as well and yeah it was um that that was happening that's what happened that's why I'm a little bit under the weather. <laughs> Hmm.
0: Well, that's, that's allowed to drink responsibly out there and, um, a little bit under the weather is okay, but you actually said you had a full blown hangover.
1: Oh, I don't know if I do. I don't know. I, I oh. think I feel, I feel, I'm, I, it's one of those things where it's like, oh no, do you get bad hangovers, Campbell? I don't really get bad hangovers. I just feel a bit, you know, lethargic. What do you, do you get headaches and all that kind yeah, of Yeah, ra- rarely, um,
0: rarely do I get bad hangovers. I'm old enough and ugly enough now to know better. So I generally either stop drinking or just start drinking loads of water towards the end of the night. Um, yes. And we've discussed it on this podcast before, actually. And then I go home and I take a vitamin B before I go to bed. A vitamin um, B? No, I don't. I, that helps. Yes, and um, it does. Absolutely, it does. But so I, I that's how I avoid the hangover. So I generally stop drinking. Uh, and it's right at that point. <laughs> it sounds counterintuitive, but it leads great into the first question, actually, uh, uh, this week's topic. I stop drinking. When I feel really good and I can conquer the world, I think, oh. Oh, no, I don't want to point. feel
1: that good about life. No, better st- <laughs>
0: It's at that point. You know, it's, it's usually that point when you think, geez, I could really go a Magnum now, or, you know, <laughs> I could really go, you know, let, let's really push the boat out here. It's right at that point where I have to pull myself up and go, whoa, um, no, no, I'd, um, I need to stop. And so it does sound counterintuitive, Uh-oh. but it's usually the time when I've indulged too much.
1: I've never gotten to that point where I thought I could start opening a Magnum now. <laughs> That's, Come
0: on, you must have No.
1: I don't I've, I've started with a magnum thinking that would that will finish me off and not open anything else. Yes. But not got gotten to a point where I was like, you know what, you you know what I need now? A bottle of wine by two. <laughs> 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 what I need uh, now well, is something it, not built for human consumption. <laughs> something designed <laughs> for a party of people. I'll start one. I am a party now.
0: <laughs> I am. I am a party now. That's about. That's about how it goes. And it's at that point I go right, blow the whistle, mm, time, and uh, stop drinking. Unless you've got a good mate around next year to say, "All right, time to get to bed." Um, I think that was the issue. The hour, everybody's uh, yeah, usually.
1: I think that was the issue for me yesterday. I, I told the publican when we got there. I said, "Oh, I'm going to have a beer. This is this is good to finish off the, the festival weekend. i i I'll, I'll I'll be leaving early though. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to hang out. And I told him like, oh, you know, I have a beer with lunch at you know, one o'clock, and I'll um I'll be gone by four, I reckon. And I was there until eight. But <laughs> I think I think the thing that hit me was the um uh. Every time I sort of thought, "Oh, well, that's it," oh, I bumped into somebody else, and they were like, yeah, "Let's have a beer." I was like, "Oh, okay." And so <laughs> that, that that sort of changing group of people kept happening until yes. eight eight pm, when I realised everyone else had gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They'd had their fill, so to speak. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books. So visit au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's LukeMorrisHa.com.au. dot acomau Have a great day. Well, somebody well, said, to get in a taxi with me? And I said, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> there's a fan that leads us perfectly
0: into this week's topic which is three reasons a wine might give you a headache and how to avoid them so i want to start from personal experience you can kick us off with this one luke morris because this is a question that repeatedly comes up we, we did deal with uh earlier in the series we dealt with the 17 additives uh, we dealt with the 15 faults in wine and we also dealt with additives i don't have the show at my fingertips but um, we explored. Um, oh, you might remember Luke, the preservatives and histamines and things like that. Um, but the question I regularly get asked and comes up in my day job as a Sommelier and the director of Vinified is, how do I avoid the red wines or wines giving me a headache? So, do you want to kick us off there? We'll, we'll, oh. we'll, we'll go. We won't explore every single reason, but we'll, we'll we might start with
1: the top three. Oh, I can't even think of one. Um, I, 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 we've we've discussed this. What causes hangovers? And if that's what people are trying to avoid, you know, I I feel good right now, and that's probably because I went, I got home and went to bed and slept well, or oh, a, a lot. And so when I've woken up, I haven't been sleep deprived. And when you're sleep deprived, that causes all kinds of issues. And that's one thing that people mistake as a hangover caused by alcohol is the fact that they, you know. They're up all night and then get up early and then sleep deprived. So I, I, I'm trying to think of something mm. that causes. Like al- alcohol does dehydrate the body a little bit, but it's not as bad as. It's, it's, it's actually the alcohol breaking down that causes, hangover headaches. Um, that's a. Yes. Uh, uh A compound that I that that the name of it that I um, escapes me. So Histamine. I think it's. No, it's um, it's, it's something else. I did a test on rats, mm. and they, they identified what it was specifically. They injected rats with this chemical, and, yep. um, yeah, but I can't think. I it, it's I think there's if you if you have uh, uh, there's there's different degrees of alcohol. So if you have like a yes. a low quality alcoholic drink, it might have some ethanol within the the alcohol production process, and that will give you a, a, a worse um, compound to, for the body to break down, and that causes uh, stress in the brain and headaches. Mm. I think yeah. I think that's what the, it is. The,
0: yeah, absolutely. So extensively, the, the, the wine headache are due to the, the sulfates, but they're either naturally present in wine Yes, organic wines have sulfates too, or they are added by some winemakers and used as a uh, preservative. S- sulfur. The su- I don't sulfur. Think
1: sulfur can really cause a headache. Well, I mean, it causes.
0: That's what it. I was going to say. So, yeah. going moving on. Moreover, it's actually sulfites can sulfites, a big pardon, can trigger asthma, or they can trigger an allergic reaction. But not always are they the cause of the headache.
1: Yeah, headache. Yeah, I, the don't headache, think, that, yeah, I don't think they can. Yeah, yeah, the headache. The headache.
0: It, the mm. headache actually comes from the histamines, which dilates the blood vessels, producing another mean, um, which constricts the blood. Uh, tyramine. So the histamines create the fast-moving blood vessels, but the tyramine, which is produced as a byproduct, actually then constricts and dilates them. And both of these tyramine and histamines are naturally found in wine, and particularly red wine. Red wines in general contain way more histamines than what champagne or sparkling wines do, and white, and certainly white wines. They can all be found in there, but red wines are generally a big culprit. So you hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, I only drink white wine, or I can't drink Shiraz or whatever. It's generally the histamine is the problem.
1: Yeah, I've heard so, people say they take an antihistamine before drinking wine. Well, I reckon...
0: You've mentioned one, so I would drink, um, you know, I would drink, I'm a big water drinker anyway, but before I start drinking, I drink a load of water. And then when I am drinking, I tend to drink one for one. Um, And if you can do that as well, because wine can dehydrate you, which itself will lead to a headache. So if you can drink one for one, that is awesome. But the other one I'm a big fan of, particularly if I'm drinking, um, you know, uh, current vintage red wine, I always consider taking an antihistamine before I even start.
1: Why do you say um, current vintage?
0: Well, because current vintage, those histamines are ever-present, omnipresent is the word I'm looking for, rather than the older wine. So in the older wines, the histamines and tyramines uh, and antithiocins and tenons have begun to break down. And usually uh, they've broken down uh, a lot a lot more in an older wine than what they have in a, in a younger wine.
1: Huh. Hmm. And there you go.
0: So the first one would be drink water before you drink wine. Consider taking an antihistamine and probably um, what, what would the third one, the, the third reason that would help you avoid that hangover, you mentioned going home
1: early. Uh. Yeah, so <laughs> a, a hangover is basically a comorbidity of issues. It's a, it's a combination of things. And it's alcohol dehydrogenase, is the um, is the product that alcohol is broken down to in in the system, and that that's the um, chemical that causes that uh, hangover headache um, specifically. Yeah. But then it's it's things like having a bad night's sleep, and um, there's there's some other things that cause. People to feel rotten the next day, um, but it's not sulphur. I remember that that no. was, that was disproven in all the articles and literature, uh, peer-reviewed yes, literature pe- I was reading. But
0: pe- people can be sensitive to sulphur, but sulphur really isn't um, isn't the problem.
1: It's, it's, but it's you're saying other, the other to, to, to the thing is to a uh, um, aged wine, it will be better to drink than young wine. Yep.
0: My, that would probably be my third trick. Uh, th- that trick is drinking older wines, um, absolutely. So I think that's probably the the top three for me. Drink plenty of water, don't, you don't have to go home early. <laughs> Drink wines that are older and also uh, maybe just t- take an antihistamine before you plan on drinking lots of
1: current vintage wine. <laughs> yeah no, i've heard that trick never never tried it but you know i don't know some, for some reason i don't um i don't really get that that impact so no. unless i drink something rotten that's the thing like to be honest with you I, I probably should have a be feeling terrible after seven hours of consumption yesterday but that's probably because the stuff i was drinking was either really good wine or um really good craft beers, I didn't drink any, you know, I remember if I get a headache an alcohol induced headache it's usually associated to drinking some sort of low grade, I don't want to name a brand but if you, think of, if you can think of a very widely uh, accessible beer that's sold in large bulk and they claim to serve it fresh um, that's that causes headaches for me.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I couldn't have a session personally. I couldn't have a session or an afternoon on beers because that that would wreak havoc with me. So I'd, uh, yeah, just no good at all. So my body has an adverse reaction to all the all the yeast, and it's compounded then by some of the preservatives used in the brewing of beer. So I'd have to stick. Um, I'd have to stick to wine. Huh.
1: Oh. Lucky you.
0: Lucky. <laughs> Look at that, eh? <laughs> Lucky I'm in the wine business rather than the beer business.
1: Yeah.
0: Moving on to this week's question, actually. It's it's a question from regular contributor and it's regarding uh, Shieldsy Wright. Shields-y. I- Shieldsy. Hi to Shieldsy. Uh, thank you for listening. Icon wines, whether it be Hill of Grace, Gigal, La Wild Duck Creek Ducksmuck, which we mentioned on the show, Louis Roto Cristal, what makes them? iconic this is a really good question i don't know if we have delved down the iconic road um before here but icon wines what what, what do you think luke morris
1: um i was gonna say there's just two things uh, either it's uh longevity of the of the brand so it's been around and good for a long time or it's uh um, something has happened. Some sort of points, some sort of notoriety, has caused it to um, become recognisable. So there's there's some something's elevated it. And I'll give you an example from the art world um, mm-hmm. of Related. paintings. Um, the when the if I was to say what's the most famous painting in the world, Blue Campbell, what would you have a guess at? Oh, I'd say the Mona Lisa. Exactly. So why is the Mona Lisa famous?
0: Well, it's only been painted once
1: and it's very small. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not because it's the, the best painting in the world, much like you might think uh, the, any wine you mentioned might not be the best wine in the world, but they're the most famous. And that, uh, But the Mona Lisa is famous because it got stolen while it was on a tour in America and it um, it was in all the newspapers as a as this stolen work of art and as a result so many people heard and knew about the Mona Lisa as a as a painting and when it was recovered and you know, they, they, they continued with the tour and people went to go and see it because they were like oh what was this painting that got stolen and as a result, it, it just catapulted this brand image of what this work of art was and is. And um similar with the wine world. Uh if Duck Muck gets ninety-nine points from Robert Parker, which I think it did one year, and he's a very ninety-seven and, and he's a very influential wine writer. People who are in that world suddenly go, Oh, well, what's What's that? Why, why, why? And it's it perks that it shoots it to stardom for that reason. It's not. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any other real reason. I mean, it's got to have some sort of um, unique attribute that that gets it ticked. It's not just quality. That's the, That's that's my point. The, the reason these wines are uh, up there as icons isn't purely or only or because of their quality. It's because of something else. Something something happened with that wine that caught the public's attention.
0: And I think these wines, whether it be Louis Roder's Cristal in Champagne or Stephen Henschke's
1: Hiller Grace. Oh, let, let's let's name Daly, it. So, that, so the, the Cristal is famous because it was in a wrap song, henchky's uh, yep. Hill of Grace has been around as an icon by Henschke for a long time, it's a small vineyard it's very limited and it was priced um, to keep step with Grange I assume it still is, I don't know if it still is but it was yeah what else, what, what's the other ones are, are the icons
0: um, the Hill of Grace so, I was once at a tasting
1: yeah.
0: for some. Who was it? It was a great journalist, and I can't think. Um, I can't think of his name. He's a famous Sydney taster. He Hughan Hook, um, Jeremy Oliver. Yes, well, absolutely right. I was at a tasting with Hewan Hook, and Hughan. Oh, yeah. He was. He had tasted several vintages of um, Stephen Henschke's Hill of Grace. And he said that Hill of Grace is now such a, an icon. He said he actually said two things, but the first thing he said, it's such an icon, it's hard to imagine the Henschke family ever releasing something less than an outstanding wine. And he also said he never scores a wine 100 out of 100 on principle, because the pursuit of perfection is
1: <laughs>
0: infallible, you, you're never going to get there. Which I found really, really interesting. He has scored uh, Henschke's Hill Grace ninety nine and ninety eight points on, which is basically almost perfect anyway, on several occasions. But I, I, he also mentioned how it was unequivocally Eden Valley, High Country Eden Valley, and I think an icon wine has got to be. A, a true testament to where it is grown. Gigal's uh, la uh, of the so-called La La wines in Cote Roti, stylistically la is the middle wine between the perfumed and smooth La Maline and the dark and tannic and angry La Lendon. All three of them made their inception into the wine world in 1985. Um, and they've just set the wine... On fire, but La itself is a genuine vineyard that is set on a steep slope of almost 70 degrees. It's just over uh, a hectare in size and it's straight above the village of Ampuy. It's usually mainly Syrah with a splash of Viognier, and it just tells a story in every vintage and has become an icon because of the story. Is it is tells. that a
1: better? Does it have a better story than the other two? And is that why La is is more famous and more of an icon? Oh, I,
0: I think probably La is more famous and more of an icon because of its perfumed and approachability. Like Lalindon can be so aggressive and so tannic. It, like a good Barolo, it takes a while to get your teeth into.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: La, La Maline. You know, can be really kind of dark and, you know, it it can be perfume and smooth, but it also takes a little bit to get your mind's eye around. Whereas Le Turc, I think from all sides, is just stylistically approachable. And I mean, you know, take that with a grain of salt. It's not a, it takes a while to get into as it's a coat roti for sure. But you might remember as history gone by. So the Bordelais used to truck, um, go up to Hermitage take some Syrah out to put in the cabernet to add, add some body, you know, I'm talking about in the early nineteenth century here. Um so these wines are a full body. They are iconic because they represent a sense of place. The rappers use cristal in, you know, like so th- Yeah, I think, it, I think
1: it's when you're talking when what you're really saying, I think it's more about that story. I think what's making them iconic is this is that there's some story about that wine that you can tell. Isn't yeah. Like yeah. you said, rap, the, yeah, the no, Christel's yeah. famous because of the, the the connection to the who was it? Did was it a sponsored rapper? Was it was it was it, what song was it in? Who did it?
0: No, well, well, it wasn't a sponsored. Hadn't... Yeah. Um, now I, I can't remember, but but the the chorus was something about unwrapping the the gold wrapper of uh, Christelle. You know, like um. So, got a flat yeah, bottle. It was it. Unique... Good, We might put that in the show notes.
1: It's, 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 a, it's a unique bottle. That's the other thing about it.
0: Well, yeah, they commissioned a, a, a Flemish gra- of all people, a Flemish glass maker to create that kind of clear lead glass with a flat bottom. Um, yeah, it's oh, lead glass. Out. That's, that's how Belgium it holds together. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, it it was in a clear bottle, it was always wrapped around it. Who was that? Um,
1: that's probably Jay Z or Snoop Dogg or someone, I don't know. Raz, yeah, Tone Tone Loke,
0: one one of those two pack. Um, it no, but I always thought, I mean, I know it would suppress Steve QA for a lot of those rappers, but I always thought there was some connection to the czars of russia even as well like it was their yeah. emperor's drink if you say it, you know you know what i mean like i thought there was a bit of a deeper history because it's, yeah, but it's been deep... around since the war years so cristal is one of the oldest grand marks as well it's been around since you know mid 40s um
1: and it's a bit of an easier word to wrap with than ontech. Yeah. or like yes. RNA? <laughs> if you you know i can't think of uh, how do you what rhymes of an
0: yeah, true. <laughs> um, very, very true. But they are icons, and they are icons for a reason. They generally have a story to tell, uh, and they certainly have a sense of place. Luke Morris, what have you been
1: drinking this week? Oh, um, yeah. So last night, like, what was it? The we had. Oh, you mentioned the, the Michelin 12, print. We had a Michelin print, and there was a. Yeah. Barbara's Shiraz from um, Hardcore Estate, and yes. I thought that the Hardcore Estate was was for me the the, the better wine. The, the, the print I thought was just a bit soft on the palate, and but it had really lovely aromatics. Um, mm. But the Barbaras just looked a lot younger. It looked like it was it, it had more palate weight, um, and uh looked like it would it would age for longer um so i was there i was impressed with that
0: i'd be interested in the Mitcherton in 2012 because that would have been ben haynes's last year as winemaker at mitcheton ben haynes has since gone on to uh we're well, studying for his mw he's since got on to launch his own brand uh and he's making some stonkingly good Shiraz, Shiraz Vioniz, um and a whole host of other things, actually. Where's he working? He, he works for himself now,
1: but he did work... What's, what's it called? He, he, do, you, do you know what it is? Ben it? Haynes Wines. Ben oh, Haynes is that it? Wines. Oh, okay. Mm,
0: yeah. Uh, but he had worked at Mitchelton, post-Mitchelton. He worked, um, or actually was it before Mitchelton, he might have worked at Mount Lenghi, or maybe after. Uh, but he's had a prestigious career. But I know that 12 was his last vintage, because um, I remember him moving on and talking to him, saying he's going to discuss his own own brand. So it would have been interesting to see. You said it was soft on the palate and had a great aroma,
1: but just not a lot left in it. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what I thought. The other guys really liked yeah. it. So, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, everybody's palate's different. I'm not going to say that it, I, I, I don't think that I... am. Um, I don't think I even have a good palate, but that was just my opinion on it. But they really loved the Mitchelton over the uh, other wine. So, um, so be it. So loving. Yeah. What did you, what have you been inviting? Oh, to
0: be honest, I've had
1: a fairly sobering week,
0: Luke Morris. I haven't been imbibing too much. Um, and nothing stands out comes to mind, but that's good. Sometimes you have to have a palate recess. Uh, every now and then, I was in, uh, I was on the Grenache train for a long, long time, and I've just, yeah, uh, you know, I just, um, after we filmed last week's podcast, I just thought maybe I just need a bit of a freshen up, just have a have a moment here, and I haven't really drunk too much at all. Not okay. self-imposed hiatus, just, uh, just taking it easy, I think. Um, head down, bum up in my work world, and uh, just laying off it, so to speak. But uh, don't worry, I'll be back. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, I have been Luke Campbell. You can find me on the socials at Luke. Uh, where, no, sorry. You can find me on the socials at vinified underscore wine underscore services. Yep. You can find him on the socials or not. Luke Morris. Ha. And we have been Luke's Talk Wine. Thank you for listening. And in the words of Tony Barber, Keep smiling and bye for now.
1: Bye.
0: Vinified are the wine cellar's specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au